Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of Create Yourself. My name is Paul Nelson. It is my pleasure to bring to you Zhang Nelson too. A follow-up on our episode five weeks ago about our experiences in network marketing. This is a deeper dive into the income stream coming from the actual education system outside of the network marketing company, uh, as well as what it's been like the last five weeks. Um, I've been able to do a tremendous amount of healing, um, which is really great because I'm able to come into this episode from a very peaceful, relaxed state, which I'm very proud of. I feel I've done years of healing in just a short five weeks. And um, this episode is very insightful. It's all about the happiness that Hugh and I have created in our own lives the last few years and since walking away from network marketing. The realization that I don't need any amount of money. I don't need any success in a business, any pin, any amount of recognition. I don't need a mentor to watch out for me. I can go create an amazing life and create my happiness right here, right now without any of that. I'm currently living my dream life right now without any of it. And it's so wonderful. And this is a message to send out to everybody that you can create your happiness right here, right now. You don't need anything or anybody. You don't need any material possession. It's all within you. And I just hope people will come out of this thinking critically to make their own decisions about how to create their best life. And I just wish happiness and joy and health to everyone listening. Love you all so much. I hope you get a ton of value from this. And here's the podcast. I think we had a pretty incredible month since the first episode release, May 1st, and that felt like so long ago, right? Like, now, like, we're only, what, June 5th? No, June, well, now it's like June 9th, right? It's been five weeks, about, not even. Yeah, so five weeks, and that felt like freaking like months ago. Months, like months. Like years. Because we've done so much since the, the freaking Nevada, you know? I mean, just myself, I feel like I've done so much healing in the last month. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm over it. Like, I, did, I needed to do 13 years of grieving, and it's, like, <laughs> complete now. Yeah. Got the support I needed. I got to help others, yeah, it's just seeing, like Just seeing, like, how much difference um, your energy is right now compared to when you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Because you were so vulnerable. You were so... Emotional. Emotional. You were so raw. And, and I, I was afraid. Feel, yeah, you're, you're afraid, you're fearful. And I, and I was able to feel like the, you know, a little bit of resentment that was in there. And a like, little bit? <laughs> I was playing nicely. A lot of resentment that was in there. And that's like completely gone now almost. Like you, you can like pretty much like talk about very calmly and like all this emotion that was driving you to like, you know, say the things you said in the first podcast. Like, I felt like that that energy is almost entirely gone almost. Well, because there have been things I've been building up that I haven't said for years. You just have to get that out there. And once you said it, and you put it out in the universe, and now you're like, oh, it's gone. It was very hard for those that week or two. Yeah. But then it's just like... I remember when we put a podcast, and then we, on the way to Sandu, and then we lock ourselves out of the house. Yeah, so... (laughs) We released the podcast Friday <laughs> afternoon after work, yeah. and we're like, "All right, this is our plan. We're going to release it, and then we're going to go camping for the night and not check our phones till the following day." And then we, and didn't, then, we didn't leave the house yet. We just like pulling out, and we're yeah. like, "Wait, hold on, where's our key?" <laughs> As we're leaving, we realize we got locked out of the house because somebody forgot the key. <laughs> uh, somebody and knocked. 
We're trying to like figure out how to get back inside yeah, every she, single window. She was trying to what break was, into the house. What was it broke the back window actually yeah. trying to get back and in there. Luckily <laughs> we, we found their number and we called and we got in. Yeah. Uh, and then we did go camping. Four yeah. weekends in a row we went camping in the sand dunes. Yeah. Dude, that was uh, quite a crazy experience that we slapped on the sand dunes four Fridays in a row. Yeah, uh, we spent the night just slap on the sand dunes, slap got, on the desert. Got to see the stars and the the universe. Yeah, the, the, the galaxy. Way. Yeah, that was amazing, man. That was like one of the my highlights. There was definitely looking at the stars. Yeah, from the sand dunes because there's no nothing blocking your view, right? Yeah. So the first time we did it, I remember I was still freaking out about everything. I thought we were gonna get caught because we're not supposed to be camping, and I'm still so vulnerable over the podcast. So I'm just freaking out the whole time. And uh, eventually I calmed down, went to bed, and the stars weren't that good. I was like, I thought the stars were supposed to be good, but uh-huh. the moon was so bright, we couldn't yeah, see anything. Yeah, that's why it was, because it's a very bright moon. And then I woke up at three in the morning, and I look up, and I go, wait, Hugh, wake up. And that's the entire freaking Milky Way that we yeah. see. Yeah. That was crazy, and we saw like, seven or eight shooting stars we rockets saw, and shooting stars we saw like in a row like seven nine rockets and satellites just flying yeah. across the sky like just moving stars yeah that was crazy i don't think i've seen that before it was the first time good thing i had the, I had the map i mean the star map uh, star chat whatever the app i use so i can actually see exactly which rocket or which star it is stargazer is that it yeah some star map something like that i forgot the name but that's pretty amazing yeah and then our last, uh, and so we went back every Friday, uh, slept in the sand dunes. And the last back. time we made, so <laughs> the last two times we brought a friend, and the last time we just met a random girl who was just like, can yeah. I come with you? And we brought her there. We brought her there. And, and then we were running into a freaking sandstorm. It was a night. sandstorm. Yeah, we slept through a sandstorm. We could have left, but we said, no, let's do so it. So we had to go find like a desert tree and just like stay next to the desert tree so it could block us on the wind. Yeah. And it's like the whole night, he didn't stop. We thought it was going to go away. Nope, the whole night. Remember like when it was coming towards us, the sandstorm, like we saw it on the hill and like this like massive sandstorm heading towards us. Yeah. And then we're like, uh, should we go back to our car? Should we stay here? And then finally, like, you know what, fuck it, just stay here. And that was amazing actually, because we climbed out of the sleeping bag, like maybe three or four o'clock and we see the Milky Way again. And that was beautiful. Yeah. It was like a highlight. And I recorded... The experience. Maybe we'll edit that in here. Give some. Maybe we, can, maybe we can act a little bit in there. How Paul was crying himself to sleep in the sleep. No. <laughs> he was hogging the water. Wouldn't give me the water. Paul was having a ton of fun. That was amazing. Like, remember when we left uh, Oceanside? We thought we're gonna miss the ocean and the beach so much. Yeah. But as soon as we get in Nevada, like we already forgot about the ocean. Yeah, I built a basketball hoop. I play yeah. basketball every night. You're shooting archery. Yeah. And we're hanging out. There's two balconies or porches, so we're uh-huh. hanging out outside all day, every day. Yeah. Basic amenities, but it's all we needed. Yeah, I did not realize how much I loved the little town in Nevada, Powerum. Oh, great. How much I loved it, right? Because yeah. the landscape was just fucking gorgeous. I see there's something special about um, the desert atmosphere. It's just like the way how it redirects the light differently when it hits the atmosphere in deserts. And the sunset was just so freaking beautiful. Yeah, so many nights we would just drive 15, 15 20 minutes, minutes yeah. out of the town and it would just be barren landscape with rolling hills 
And it's like being on a movie set. It was gorgeous. And watching the sunset was just wonderful. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah. And when Greg came, it was amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, like, I haven't seen Greg for, it was like eight years, I think. Definitely. You've seen Greg a couple times before. Oh, I had seen him, yeah. Yeah. But I haven't seen Greg for like eight years. Literally, that was like... Like, it's amazing, like, when we put the podcast, you were, you thought you were going to lose all your friends, <laughs> right? Yeah, my biggest fear was how are people going to react. Yeah. And, you know, I was still afraid of what people would think of losing friends. And the biggest thing I gained is I gained so many friends. Because so many people reach out to you. Because yeah. the fact that you were vulnerable, Paul, I think it adds a different layer to it because people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. When they, you know, either left the business or, you know, whatever, uh, or kicked out or anything, they... Can relate to the energy because they also felt like oh my god like you know that's just like sad process for them yeah and the fact that you were able to show that vulnerability there i think gave a lot of people a lot of closure i mean you did i don't think it you actually did remember this couple to reach out this is like one of my favorite things this couple reach out to you oh yeah and really this like super nice note about like how they were crying and listen to your podcast because they can relate of everything that happened to you and to me and it was very heartwarming to see that. Yeah, they were saying that at one point when their parent, when their marriage was at the lowest point, like I was there and I right. made a big difference. I didn't even know that until I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I didn't. I had no idea that they told me that you because you were there in the, was in Pennsylvania. Where they moved to? No, that person was in Philadelphia. Philly, okay, yeah. Uh, right. And would attend events in the New York City area, and I would go right. out of my way for her, right, to make her feel welcome and supported and cared for because I felt yeah. like we were family. So yeah. I treated her that way. Yeah. And it's funny that she was, uh, and the couple was our mentor's third team going Emerald. And then that's when I realized, because I didn't even know uh, they left the business until they reached out to you. And then I realized they got freaking pushed out of the business, really. And the husband, like, like that was such a crazy thing to me because he had been in business as long as I did, literally. Like he joined the business like a few months after I did. So he got started almost the same time as you basically. So you and him are two of the, like the, my oldest friend since freshman year in college that being in the same business with me, even though he was not part of my team, but like we're so close because, you know, we're both from Asia and like, you know, he's a super nice dude. I mean, he probably doesn't mind me saying this, but he's sucking at marketing. <laughs> yeah, he admitted to it because he's just like way too nice and way too chill for, in a lot of sense, to be a network marketing business because he's not that kind of guy to be like out there like just convincing or like, you know, trying to be super assertive. He's just like really cool, like, oh, you know, he cares a lot. You know, in a way, he, he's like you in a sense, in that way. And like when I realized that he also got pushed out of business, almost like you, but in a different story, that really like, it makes me feel really sad because for me, it's like, man, pushing you, Paul, and pushing him out of business was not easy, man. It's fucking hard to get you guys quit the business because you've been so loyal to the business team and to our mentor and to these people for freaking over a decade, you and him both. And like this couple, like they told me our story, they tell us the story that they gave everything to help our mentors to qualify founders Emerald. When they really, their business was like maybe four or $5,000 worth of business really. 
but they somehow magically make, you know, 20 grand worth of business happen for 12 months, 12 months, right? So our, our mentors can call themselves on Zemro and make this nice audio, you know, showing how crazy amazing they are. <laughs> and to hear that they will push out the business, you know, I mean, she shared with us a story like how, you know, when she was in a vulnerable place and she need to like, they were, they stock like was almost 15 grand, 20 grand with the products just to help the mentors qualify at business level. And at one point when she was vulnerable financially need to return the products, our mentor was like questioning them dumb. Like, oh, how come you return products? Like, what kind of leader are you? We're showing no empathy. Like that really hurts. Like me listening to that, I just remember like that, man, that freaking hurts. Like these people, they gave everything to help you qualify your business level and how, how can you do this to them? Like with no empathy for them and end up them living the business, you know, like you living the business and they live in, like you guys are some of the oldest people in the business Like you are some of the like veterans that started this whole thing back in Madison with me and not caring because they can be replaced. Yeah. I mean, again, that really shows us again, like for them, they don't see human beings as individual beings but as a number attached with the ideal number that can be replaced. If you're not performing, it doesn't matter what anything. If you're not adding value to their annual business and to this educational system, that moment, then they don't need you. And that was one of the things that really pushed me out. Because those last couple of years after I had cancer, after I, I, I redefined my life in a way of thinking, self-care and happiness number one and no longer business number one mm -hmm. and in doing so obviously i i was doing things that they would not approve of and would not promote and so in a business point of view i was not promotable i was not edifiable mm -hmm. they didn't have they couldn't really do anything with me yeah. in a life point of view i'd never been learning more i, I, I moved out of my parents house i find I, I i overcame depression you know, I finally got a job that I liked in an industry that I enjoyed. I got mm -hmm. out of debt. I started running a mile a day for 428 yes. days. Two marathons. I ran two marathons. I learned discipline, which I never had in my whole life. I had the most successful romantic relationship I ever had in my whole life. Mm -hmm. I was traveling. I went to Peru twice for ayahuasca retreats. And it's just, I did all this stuff that I had so much value to add. And at the business events, I could have added so much value. Mm -hmm. But to them, it doesn't matter. Because if I'm doing all those things and I'm crushing my business, oh, then that's wonderful. But if I'm not crushing my business, then this is then we can't use you. And anytime I was approached, it's always, hey, that's great, Paul. Make sure you get your business lined up and so that we can promote you. Make sure you're doing the activities so that we can promote you. It's like very short-sighted thinking. Really, that's really what it is. Because if I was the one that organizing the training events, I mean, like you said, like when you're in New York, you know, our other friends, they knew, they recognize that. Yeah. And they were promoting you because they know the value they're adding there. Because, like, you can't be so one-dimensional about running a company in the world today. People join network marketing because they want to improve their life, not just make a couple of bucks. There's so many multiple aspects, so many layers in network marketing that make it attractive to so many people, even today. Network marketing still is an attractive business industry because it's so many more layers to it. It's not just money. We talk about how high touch and high, you know, high tech and high touch. 
Like when the hell do you forget about all that? The high touch part, right? It's about the connections, about caring for people, about people succeeding in multiple areas in life. Your fitness, because you improve so much in your fitness, you know, through running one marathon, you know, two marathons in one year, right? Oh, two years, yeah. In two years. So that's not easy because how many people actually finish a marathon? You know, in our business team, like there's not many. Like your story in there, like there's so much value you can add. And also that can be translated into business because the amount of discipline you take to run a marathon, to train for marathon, the amount of things you have to overcome mentally to finish a marathon, those are so much can be connected to the business world. And the fact that they fail to see that and consider you as useless, quote unquote, in their world of business means that I have no idea what the mind is at, understanding business-wise. In my 20s, I really messed my life up. It took me six years to graduate college. I did a lot of things I'm not proud of. I quit or got fired from every job. I ran away from all my problems. Mm -hmm. I don't blame business for that. Um, I just, I understand that when I finally made the shift to stop doing those things mm -hmm. was when I finally stopped making business my top priority. Yes. So there was a correlation <laughs> there. There was a connection yeah. there. When I put business to the side is when I finally got my life together. Right. Yeah. See, that's like one thing I recognize that putting the podcast, our last podcast is that you got to understand your happiness, your fulfillment life has nothing to do with your business and definitely got nothing to do with your business mentors. And it's my responsibility to create it. Nobody it's else. It's your job. The fact that their narrative is that, oh, you know, there's this figure they're promoting on the stage that has this passionate figure, they're passionate, they are charismatic, they're very great at public speaking, and somehow they control the narrative of what success means to you, what you know, happiness means, and what does accomplishment look like. The fact they try to control the narrative and make it seem like that is generic, generically can be applied to everybody is a huge mistake. Whether intentional or not, it doesn't really matter, but that is very dangerous because everybody needs to figure out for themselves what success looks like and what happiness means to them. So from that aspect, yeah, I think they just really quite lost in really how to build a sustainable long-term prospering business that's good for people. Not just like making some bucks, but for their soul, for their spirits. You know, how many people that they don't deal with the real struggle because they quote unquote just build a business and every problem goes away. Man, that will mess your life up so much. They, they sell their soul to make all the money. They justify it. Like we just talking about, you know, in the past month, like how many people that we saw in the business today that's still in the business that we know for so many years that we can clearly see their problems and what they need to overcome, you know, by digging deeper themselves and asking themselves tough questions and maybe even see a like counselor. But then they don't do that because they were not coached to do that. They were still following their mentors somehow like, oh, just build your and win network marketing business and all your life trouble goes away. And that's so hurtful for people that are going through real life struggles. You have to have the guts and the courage to look at your problems and deal with them. You cannot look away. Anybody trying to tell you to look away, they are doing you a disservice. Well, two things with that. One, from the business perspective, if people start working on themselves, they're not gonna build their business. So they don't <laughs> want that. They want it bottled up. 
yeah. and left inside because it's a distraction. Right. Two, when people have issues, they want somebody to think for them. They're able to be yeah. manipulated and controlled. Yeah, I think this is both sides, right? For the people who don't seek answer themselves, again, if they flow for somebody else, a authoritative figure, you know, quote unquote, to tell them what life should be like, is a cop out. They're looking for easy way out to blame somebody else or attach a problem to something else. Or not deal with it, yeah. Just not deal, it's just really a, a way to not deal with the real issues. And, you know, that kind of philosophy just is eventually going to hurt them because the problem's not going to go away. The reality is the problem is not going to go away. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's like the elephant in the room. If you don't address the elephant in the room, the elephant's going to get bigger. Eventually, your face will be filled with the elephant's ass and you're forced to deal with it, you know? Well, how many people have we seen that have chosen to build their business to deal with their issues as a distraction? Yep. Which temporarily may work, yes. Mm -hmm. But long term, it's just sitting there. Yeah, it's like watching a TV you know, for every night, trying to turn away from your problems. Like, it's escaping. Yeah. It's escaping. I mean, yeah. I think like for me, like one thing I realized once in Europe, right? When I went to Europe to see my family, I remember this so clearly. When I walk into the house, uh, saw my grandpa for the first time that year in 2018, all those emotions hit me so hard. It was a really intense moment for me because I realized that, damn, I fucked this up. Like I messed this up because I got invited to go see my aunt every single year for Christmas for nine years straight. And my cousins, um, my baby cousins, they were nine years old at that time when I go see them in 2018. And I realized the last time I saw them before that trip was when they were just born, a few months old. I missed out nine years of their childhood because I was somehow in my mind like, oh, I need to listen to my mentors. This narrative, like I need to just focus on my business. Don't take a break. You remember like our mentor always say like, oh, if you take a week break, you miss a month. Yeah. You take a month break, you miss a year ago. Two years, no breaks. That was like what it, the narrative, like, oh, don't take breaks. And remember I took it so literal that I did not go to see my family, that I was almost too late because when, so here's what happened. When I walk in the door, my grandpa recognized me right away. He called my name. He's like, oh, Hugh. Well, me didn't say Hugh, you know. He said my real name, my Chinese name, but he recognized me right away. And we had a great time that night. And the next day, he couldn't remember me anymore. That was the last day that he remembered me, was that day when the door opened, I saw it in 2018. That was the last day that he remembered who I am. The next day, we sat on the lunch table. We had the same conversation over and over and over again, just in the 10 minutes. I talked to him like he could not remember anything that's more than 30 seconds. So we talked for 30 seconds. And the conversation repeats again. It hit me so hard because I was almost too late, almost, that he would never remember me. I, I almost missed that moment. And shit like this is like the things that wake me up. Because 
if you don't look at the stuff that was really important and think about those things, like you can really mess up your life. And some of those things will never come back. I know. Recently, some of our mentors have been approached saying, like, you know, I haven't traveled because you, you know, I've been told that I wasn't supposed to. Like, we never said that. And that's just total bullshit. <laughs> Look, they don't have to say it, but they just need to act in a way and use their tone and you know exactly what's the message. That's been the message for a long time. Maybe they oh, didn't yeah. use those words explicitly, but yeah. they have said two years, no breaks. They have said, don't take They vacations. have made those statements at almost every single high level leadership training, every single training for like years, you know? And they also, in a way, like, see, they put indirect pressure on you. Like, oh, you need to be a leader. You need to be an example. So now he was supposed to be this example. So me taking a trip made me feel so guilty back then when I was in business. Like this enormous amount of guilt. Like, oh, yes. if you take those trip, like what kind of leader are you if you like doing those stuff that's against your mentor's teaching, right? I remember when we first started our trip, all, I kept feeling irresponsible, like I'm doing something wrong. And then I realized that that's just some program that I picked up. None of that is true. Mm -hmm. My life is great. My life's never been better. I've never been more responsible. Yeah. And yet it's just because my business mentor didn't give me permission. But, you know, it's like, oh, I'm being irresponsible. So interesting. Those programs stick with, you know, they're still there. It's amazing. You know, even recently with the the Guatemala school that mm -hmm. I'm building, that yeah. I'm fundraising for, which is yeah. amazing. We've raised over $14,000. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this match going on. And I felt this urge to just max up my credit cards and just get all the match that I can. And I knew it was like, if I don't earn this, if I don't feel good about it, then what's the point? But that old business mindset was still there. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it takes, right? Yeah, you gotta undo all those years of programming so you can go back to actually thinking like a logical human being and make critical decisions for yourself not just following an urge or, you know, mm -hmm. old programming that you received from this group of people. Yeah. And I didn't do it and I feel great. It's amazing though how it's, it's still there though, that mm -hmm. programming. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it stays with you for a while. Yeah. You gotta meditate and get it away. I remember back to the thing you said before, uh, one of our business mentors always used to say, you know, the goal is happiness, right? That's why we're here is to be happy. And yet he doesn't seem happy. He's quote unquote, you know, hit the top goal, hit what we all are supposed to work towards. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem happy. And so I just looked within and said, do I want to spend the next five, 10 years giving, sacrificing yeah. my thirties now after already sacrificing my twenties to get to where he is and not even be happy? Cause I was, what, what make you, what make you like realize that, like what make you think that he doesn't seem happy? Like what kind of things you picked up? Because the more I pursued my own happiness and created my own happiness, mm -hmm. I didn't feel that resonate. I didn't feel that connection. Mm. Um, I've been also because I've been around people who are actually happy and <laughs> yeah, I didn't get yeah. that vibe. Yeah, like, I see. That happy heart vibe is a different thing. That genuine smile, yeah. that warmth, that's a real thing that can't be faked. Yeah. And I never just, I never got that. I could get, you know, the surface version. Mm-hmm. But once I wasn't of use to them, for sure, it was like very clear. Mm. Happy people don't excommunicate people. <laughs> That's a very, uh, very true statement. <laughs> Usually real happy people don't try to see that kind of control of another human being. That's for sure. Like, like right now we are like 
pretty good space right now. We're pretty happy. Like we're no interest in controlling or dominating another human being. Like I don't want to tell anyone how to think. Decide. What's the point? Like how can we even assume to know enough about a person to really make any kind of major life decision for them? Like how is it even possible? Well, when you're monetarily incentivized, you'll come up with some things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well. Yeah, that makes me want to just dive into that right now. About because <laughs> I see like okay, so this is like a, the major point I want to cover in this podcast, right? Because this has been hidden for majority of the entire, you know, this uh, educational recruiting training system that work with Amway that almost 0.0 some percent people actually know this about how they actually make income through their training system. Yeah, most people don't realize because, that there are training systems. Because they run it like a black box that you only get to know when you qualify Emerald or Diamond Beyond, then they'll cut you in the income. It runs such a, like a mob, man. It's like, you know, you only get to a level where you bring up revenue, then they'll let you know how much you're making. Until then, it's hush-hush. They so, won't tell you. Before you go into that, yeah. for people who don't know anything about network marketing, yeah, I think it's fair to just explain. Yes. Network marketing is a separate company from these training and education systems. Exactly. See, that's like what John Oliver didn't get, right? When he made the show on like the Tonight Show, or whatever, that talk about network marketing and network multiple marketing, that like he doesn't understand. There are two entities. There's companies like Amway, who's just a manufacturing company, makes the products, and they come up with the uh, compensation plan, how they want to partner with these distributors and these organization of distributors. Amway is a separate uh, entity. Yeah. And there's a whole separate entity. You know, there's many of them within Amway, right? They partner with Amway. They are a separate company. They are made out of top distributors, recruiters that's using the Amway business plan, the compensation plan. They're the one that build the entire recruiting training system that bringing more and more independent contractors that work with Amway, right? So, yeah. So to clarify, there's many network marketing companies. And within each of them, many of them have, will have somebody who becomes very, very successful in that network marketing company, and then will create their own organization, a separate yeah. company that trains and mentors people and recruits and, rec and recruits, um, and then uses that network marketing platform and compensation plan. And then what they don't talk about is how much money is being made from the training education. Cause exactly. now this is a separate income stream. If you look at the lifestyle that use of any of these people, it always says, this is not just income from network marketing. You know, it comes mm -hmm. from other sources as well. Yeah. But it never disclosed it. Like, you didn't even know until I told you. Because, like, if they actually disclose this information, it's going to be freaking riots. Because it will outrage so many people. Like, man, like, how much money you're making selling tools to build a business than actually building your network marketing business. Yeah, and I was in... You know, network marketing for 13 years, yeah. became a sapphire, you know, built a very large organization and I still knew close no to clue. nothing, very little I knew. Because you never went to Emerald level. Yeah. And because you're not Emerald, you just don't know this side. Because when you go platinum level business, which is a 20 grand a month business, they'll give you a little bit, right? They'll give you like yeah. a dollar off a CD, yeah. I mean audio, and then like a dollar of a book, something like that, that barely covers your investment to support your business and a little kickback from some of the apps too yeah but you get like 100 bucks 20 bucks a month here and there like at it's most. nothing really right? at most yeah because for that kind of level of business with like 40 50 people business team 
you know, average, like just in our team, like people invest 500, a thousand dollars a month in buying additional books and additional audios so they can give it to people and help them learn the business and training or whatever. And the prospects too. And the people who are not even business yet, but they will hand out those audio to them. Yes. To listen to, right? It is very clear that these training education systems are recruiting and bringing people Oh yeah, no doubt. Their whole goal is recruiting, you know? Majority of what they do is about recruiting, right? You know, imagine, look at all these open meetings, right? There's recruiting meetings around the globe. Every single state, every single major city is covered weekly, right? But anyway, so here's what I want to share with you. I want to give you some information already, but people who are listening to this may not know this yet. Most of them have no idea, okay? I went Emerald 2018, and that's when I got a glimpse, look at what's behind the curtain of this entire training income that's provided to people who are Emerald level and beyond. When you build three separate teams doing 20 grand a month business, now you're in the Emerald club and they give you this massive income kickback on tools. So when I become Emerald level business, I have two separate teams in my business that also become Emerald. So they have the separate income from the tools, training materials. So my portion of the Emerald tool income was around like 40 people or so outside the two large Emerald teams. You know, some part of your team plus my other team, maybe about like 40 people or so. And just from 40 people team, my system educational income that I get was roughly $2,000 a month. On top of your business income? On top of my network marketing income at an annual level. That just freaking, I was amazed. Because what that showed me was, damn, that means our mentor who was Emerald for like seven, eight years, you know, before, time, before they broke Emerald like me, right? They have about like 250 people attending conferences from my team alone. We brought in like 240, 250 people attending all those conferences, subscribing to all those monthly audios and book programs, quarterly seminars. They're going to all those events and they have like another 100 or so on top of my team. So with about three, 400 people going to all those events, they were probably pulling some solid six figures, a hundred grand from selling their training system of how to build a business, which is way more than actually their business income. Because I know some of those months they didn't qualify Emerald. They were probably making maybe like $3,000 a month from the nail marketing business. But they were probably making nine, $10,000 a month from the training system from selling the tools or teaching people how to build a business, that's three times more than the actual business income. That's when I realized, wow, that's why they did what they did. When you follow the money, right? See, like when you see any kind of a, those TV shows about investigation, you know, bank fraud or whatever, they always talk about follow the money, right? Because money will tell you everything. Money shows you the whole picture. And when I realized this much money coming from this tool sales and training system, I realized, wow, now everything started making sense. Every single piece of puzzle that I didn't understand before, now they all fit. That's why every single person get involved in business, they want to make sure that they do whatever they can to make sure they subscribe to all those training tools. 
there's people in my team back in the days like they are they were students they may not have a whole lot of money to buy the amway products you know some of those ibos back in the days you know business maybe only buy like 30 40 bucks off you know amway products a month but guess what they'll be subscribing to all those training tools audios books we're making sure to go to a conference we even prioritize them getting training system before even they actually you know, making money or even buying product from the actual nail marketing business. Yeah, I remember that. Now they all make sense now. And that also makes sense why when they roll out this app, right? They're supposed to let you to communicate with people that cost 300 bucks a year. I remember like, I was just like, what, what the heck are we doing? Like, we're trying to teach people to better off financially and you're selling them this app that costs 300 bucks a month. It makes no sense. 300 bucks a year. Yeah, 30 bucks a year, they make no sense. And they'll promote it relentlessly. Now understand, the money behind it make all the sense now. And it makes sense now, the way why they would build a business the way they did, they will do everything they can. They will ruin relationships. They will, people's finances get messed up trying to get people to qualify at the emerald level once for one time. And they don't even care to fall back for like years straight. Or diamonds, so they can join our ownership in the business. Exactly, because when you qualify diamonds, you join this thing called LLC. It, it dip you into another layer of income, right? It makes sense now because even when you don't qualify Emerald Diamond anymore, but you still keep getting this tool sales income, which is for many many of these people that no longer Emerald Diamonds, is way bigger than the actual Emerald Diamond marketing income. Mm-hmm. That's why they were able to sustain their lifestyle. Then they were they haven't qualified emerald and diamond for like five, ten years. But how come they're still retired and actually able to maintain a lifestyle? Now it makes sense because a good 50, 60, 70, or even 80% of the income was supported by their tool sales. And then they have to put on an act like they're still there and that Oh yeah. They're making they can all this still money. claim they're like, you know, emerald business level income, business level. And they'll be promoted on a stage. Oh, this is where they're at. That's not where they're at. Yeah. It's faking it. And it makes so much more sense now why they do what they did, you know? And I, even on a smaller level, people who haven't got Emerald or Diamond, you know, it's the same thing. Like somebody will go Platinum or 7,500 or Sapphire yeah. and then fall back. Yeah. But then they're forever promoted at that level and have to put on an act. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it starts from the beginning, teaching people how to fake it and making it okay. Yep, exactly. And then now I realize, okay, that's why our mentor would do whatever they can to magically make their four, five, six team appear. And somehow magically they all went platinum and he became a diamond level business owner. And they do whatever they can to put about two years and now they boom, they can go back. Gone. Now they're four, five, six teams. I don't know where they're at. They're completely just... Not there anymore, right? But it's okay for them because financially, look at the numbers, it makes sense because at diamond level, they probably now double or tripling their system income now. And they're forever known as a diamond whether they are or not. Yeah, because they'll be promoted as diamond in the system at these big shots in business. But now I realize, okay, well, their income now probably they make some solid two to three figure, six digits from tool sales business, from the training business. Like if I eventually to guess the annual income right now, it's pathetic. Probably like what, five grand, maybe? Six grand a month, annual income. 
is like a fraction of their real income. 80% of the income now is actually coming from their tool sale. And that's gross. That's, not, that's before expenses too. Yeah, before the expenses, before tax and everything. Like people have no clue how this works. Because like for so many years, the planners on business who, you know, the one that create like 30, 40 people teams, they're going out, driving around, giving out tools. They will buy like 500 bucks a month, a thousand dollars a month of just tools, right? Audios. Like remember people have like freaking trunk full of audio tools. Oh yeah. Like we all have a box, right? There was like our pride. Like our like wait, that's how we know we're serious, right? In the business, yeah. we have like trunk full of like audio tapes and yep. you know, and all the books. them out for free all the time. And hang up, yeah, this is like our real investment, right? And now realize, okay, yeah, our investment versus their core income. You know, we were investing in our business, but really for them was theirs, that's their main income source. And that's why I realized, you know what? This whole thing about like, you need them to become successful. You need them to be happy. You need them to achieve high levels in their marketing business is all not true. They need us. It's the complete opposite. We do not need the system. This people, this system need us. Because if all of us suddenly unsubscribe to all the tools and trainings, all those ones that are like quote unquote retired, they no longer qualify ML diamond level business, 80% of their business, their income will be gone. Their lifestyle is gone. Yep. They'll be back to looking for a job. This kind of information, nobody knew. And it's crazy, like we live in a, such an open world now. We're in 2020. This is the age about openness, about transparency, about being upfront, about being honest. You know, the whole transition to going into the new process of building business become more open and upfront. Like, they're not open about this. It still runs like a black box. Nobody knew. And they can, I mean, in a way, they can't share it because if they share this kind of stuff, then they are done. When people realize that's how much money they're making and then that's a real source of income, you know, they won't be motivated anymore. If they just show the real annual income they have from last month, man, they'll be pathetic. 20 years in business and that's how much you make? That's not gonna motivate anybody. I shared this story with you recently. I think it's worth resharing. Um, based on what we were just talking about with, uh, um, so one of the things I'm most proud of in my life is mm-hmm. when in, uh, right after um, going platinum in college and feeling great about myself, for some reason, network marketing company decided to open up in the Caribbean in Jamaica. Yeah. Obviously a white boy from Wisconsin. <laughs> I didn't know anyone there. My dreams to travel, to help people in third world countries, to make an impact. And I wholeheartedly went down there, didn't know a soul. And just through connecting with people on Facebook, found somebody, invested, and helped. You know, we broke four platinums and two Q12, uh, a couple that went Q12 two years in a row. Um, and one of the things that the, the Jamaicans are always good at is they're hustlers. Yeah. So they never had an issue selling products. Like I remember, even like one of their complaints was the 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 products were too concentrated. 
like the dish, the the oh, they last forever. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the laundry detergent would have like a hundred loads, you know, the powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what yeah. some people would do is they take like two, three loads, put it in a plastic bag, and then sell that and go door to door selling it. Oh wow! Because people in Jamaica, they get paid when they get paid. They don't they don't have credit cards. Most people. Yeah. They can't buy for the next six months. They can just buy it right now for the next paycheck. So they had to get creative and they hustled. You know, and we register a lot of people. Yeah. And we, uh, they just, they always were really strong at building a network marketing business. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They knew how to move the products. They knew how to bring people in. You know, they knew, they, they knew how to sell. Like they knew what right. they were doing with that. The one thing they, ne they always struggled with was the training education system. Yeah. You know, part of it is they're also very strong willed, independent people. Yeah. And whatever reason though, culturally, they just, they never really got on the audio programs. Mm -hmm. They never really got onto the, the, the book programs. Yeah. They never really came to many of the conferences. Very few ever did. Right. I mean, it's a huge expense, you yeah. know, I mean, they got to fly out of the country. They got to get a visa and everything. Yeah. Some of them couldn't get visas. Some of them yeah. just, the cost it's expensive to fly for a weekend, you know, to the U S to just yeah. go to a conference. Um, you know, if, and obviously they can't always get visas too. Um, and so eventually we found this amazing couple out in the suburbs, suburbs, farmland, this amazing couple that, uh, the pastors of their own church who just got started, went 7,500 in a year, um, went Q12, two years in a row, got the, the 10 and the $15,000 bonus checks, you know, got to go to all the trips, you know, they just crushed it. And you know how they did it? They did it old school. They would get a pallet of products to their house and they would just sell it. Yeah. Whether it's to their team members or out to customers, they would just move it. And two years in a row, they crushed it. They built a network marketing business, but they never really built much in terms of training education system. Okay. And so eventually they went to one of the, um, the yearly events, the free trips. They got to go to, this was in San Diego. Yeah. And our mentor sat down with them and said, basically, hey, what you've done is great but you haven't built a training education business. You've built a network marketing business and that's great, but that's not gonna last. You need to pivot. It doesn't matter how much volume you're creating, how much sales you're doing, yeah. until you get up your, your people in the audio programs, until you get people doing the book program, until you get more people at the events, until you get people at the conferences, there's no point in doing what you've been doing anymore. And ever since then, after they finished two years of Q12, they've been a, a, a shell of what they were before they do. Mm -hmm. They've done a much no volume because they stopped doing it that way. Yeah. Whether it's was a decision or whether it's just because they don't want to do it that way or it's just not their strength. That's not what they're good at. And that just really was disappointing to me. I mean, it, because it doesn't make sense. Like why would they even consider like asking their team members to invest two twenty dollars a month just in the training tools? that use them no actual business revenue for them. Well, they can afford it too. This is Jamaica. Exactly. Their monthly income is 500 bucks a month. Like how could you ask them to... From a job. Yeah, from their actual job is 500 bucks a month job income. How do you ask them to invest $200 a month in training tools that make zero sense? And asking them to all fly to US for a conference? Like, are you kidding me? It makes no sense for them to do that. See, I'm nobody special. I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I went to Jamaica because I, I truly cared for people. And I How built, many times have you been there now? I went there 15 times. And I did it because I truly cared for people. I, I didn't care about the recognition, any of that. I just said, 
I'm going to do it because I want to find, I want to help people in third world countries. I want to travel here all the time because, you know, because yeah. I'm building a business here. And man, I would bring a thousand dollars worth of books in a trunk. And after a meeting, everyone would come up and I, I'm like, I feel like I'm in Africa handing food to starving kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm handing out books. I'm not charging. I'm just giving them away. Yeah. Right. Because I wasn't running a business. I was running a charity. Yeah. And you know, that's why I was able to build one of the largest network marketing businesses in Jamaica you know, through the companies you're working with. Yeah. Um, not because I did anything special, just because I actually cared about these people because I actually just served and gave. And whether some of them agree or disagree with what I'm doing now, they know my heart and they know how much I put my blood, sweat and tears to supporting yeah. these people. Yeah. And, um, and it's how they trusted you because they know that you were there to give. Yeah. And they're not just trying to grab money. And know? I was real. When I would go down there, I was struggling. I mean, Every time I went, I'd come back a different person because I was growing <laughs> myself yeah. and they got to see the real me. When yeah. in the U.S., I felt like I had to fake it, but with them, I could be real. Yeah. And it was really cool. And, you know, that's it. It's all about heart. And that's, that's heart-based leadership. You know, I remember I was at one of our Friday events in New York City. Yeah. And um, somebody asked me a question. I was doing a wrap-up training. Somebody mm -hmm. asked me, uh, I don't remember the exact words, something like, You know, how were you able to build this big team in Jamaica and you have all these, you know, all these different platinums and emeralds and you have this huge team. How do you do it? And I, had, I just, I, how do I explain? So all I just said, I said one thing. I said, I care. And I just looked at the person. I said, I care. Mm -hmm. how, how more can I explain it? How do I explain to somebody to care? But it was clear to me that that was not an important quality necessarily in the other teams that were building their business. Mm -hmm. So somebody who doesn't care, doesn't comprehend what I'm talking about, because mm -hmm. in their mind, it's a business. But to me, it was never a business. To me, mm -hmm. it was a family. To me, it was, I'm here to impact people. To me, I'm here to help people. Yeah. To me, I'm here to serve people, help them become better. And that's why when this whole process shift happened, I got excited because I want to help people. But I realized that that's not the point. The point, it was the complete opposite for people to be more fake and sit on their throne. And now, oh, now I get to be this amazing person on social media and everyone builds me as the big mentor. And now they come to me. I don't even have to go door to door or whatever. I don't have to go to the mall searching for numbers anymore. Right. People come to me now and it's just that doesn't vibe with me. And it really shocked me when I stepped back and realized in Jamaica why that that couple never really got any help. You know, they never really got much guidance or mentorship from our mentors. And I realized because they're independent thinkers who cannot be controlled. So they, that's an issue. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not making any money from them because they don't make money from them building an Amway business. They make money from them building through our education system. Yeah. That's where they made money and because they never put any energy in there. Why should they help them? And then finally they're told make that shift and they just never did. So the only reason any of our business coaches really went to Jamaica almost entirely was because they got paid to go there. Yeah. The only one because they got paid to fly down and it's like a to good show. To do a seminar and be cool. Yeah, it's a good show, you know. It's also good to, for them to like come back and talk about how cool they are, you know. They build a Jamaica business when they only fly down to talk for a day and come back. It's very hard for me because I care for these people and many of them I don't talk to anymore and I, I haven't been to Jamaica in years and it's, it's very sad because I just, all I have is love for them, you know. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I get it. I get when people are not able to step out and think for themselves, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah. I hope that this opens the door a little bit, though, that people all I want is for people to think for themselves. Make your own decision. Yeah. See, Paul, like, even though right now they might be blocking you and not talking to you, but I think at some point they will understand. Because, see, 
the thing is that what you're doing and what we're doing is, is quite polarizing. So what we're doing is quite polarizing because we are exposing a group of people what they've done to harm other people, both legally and quite def definitely morally. They have harmed a lot of people. And a lot of people just didn't realize because they got so much emotional connection with these people, right? Because they're still in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, in a way, it's like, it's just the same as living a cult, right? When you're in the cult, your family, love, everything's there, right? You step, you dare to step outside the cult, you are excommunicated. All your friends, all your family back in the cult, say goodbye to them. And then next further, you, you try to take down the cult and it's like your enemy number one. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, what we do is quite polarizing. And for me, like I, it took me a while to decide to do this because I realized if I step on this road and do this, that means, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of people hating on me and I have to meditate on it and I'm ready and it's okay. For me, I'm willing to accept the consequence because that is a price to pay when you're willing to speak up. When you're willing to go against the norm and the narrative and to reveal what's really true underneath all those fake and facade on the surface. Because you are touching some people's income. Like we are literally jeopardizing somebody's income right now by revealing this information onto people. Millions of dollars. Yeah. A lot of people's financial freedom, their lifestyles, the facades that they built over decades. Yeah. But then we have to do it because what they did was predatory behavior. They were targeting against international students for decades. That's who they target to recruit all over campuses. And we just had this call with these people that just now told us about this whole aspect that we didn't realize, you know, that happens in other places that's not part of our group that house intense, they're targeting national students in a whole different region, right? So that we have, like, this is why I said before, like, it's my responsibility to put information out because I realize if I don't speak up, see, here's how they were able to get away with this for 20 years. is because they realized most 99.99% national students will be too afraid to speak up by the time they find out the truth because it would implicate themselves for their own visa status. That's how they, how they got away with it. You know, because a lot of people now that reach out to me, they told me about like, oh, wow, Hugh, thanks for revealing this truth. Like I talked to my lawyer, they told me the same thing. See, none of them actually speak out about it because it is tough. It is very tough. And it's very scary to put yourself in that position to reveal this kind of truth to people while literally put yourself in the position that you might jeopardize your own visa, right? But this kind of predatory behavior it has to be exposed. If I don't do this, they might be able to get away with this stuff for another 20 years. And that's possible. Ever since we put out the podcast, even when Amway put out their email recently, yeah. all of they've continued to lie. They've just buried themselves deeper saying, it's oh, legal, yeah. it's fine. Dude, this is, this is incredible. This is amazing what they've done. We put the podcast on May 1st. By May 2nd, May 3rd, we already have people within this organization basically reaching out to us and telling us like, hey, Hugh, Paul, like they already house conference calls. They already have basically one-on-one -on -one calls to their international student, to their team, telling them that, you know, don't listen to Hugh, don't listen to Paul, they're complaining. It's not the truth. You'll be fine. 
we'll teach you how to like you know make it go away look this this is crazy stuff so they were telling their team to how to manipulate the text documents so that's their solution so what they come up with their genius idea was okay well how do we hide this international students income from this uh, network marketing element business was let's teach them how to manipulate the test documents and found the income in schedule c and hide it as an investment so it doesn't show as a business income remember the text message i showed you from uh, when our mentor was literally talking to me about hey here like you know we can do this and basically hide the income as an investment and it wouldn't show so that way the immigration wouldn't find out when they file for green card. It's incredible. Their solution to deal with a civil violation was to commit a federal crime. A felony. Tax fraud. Tax fraud. So let's not get caught without civilization and the way we teach you how to do that is to commit tax fraud. Yeah, so to be clear, anybody that's been told to manipulate your tax documents to hide this, that is tax fraud which is much, much, it's a felony and much worse oh, yeah. than building in a, a, a network marketing business as a Oh yeah, so student. instead of getting, potentially getting caught and maybe get deported to your own country, now if you get caught, you're going to prison. That's their solution. Freaking incredible. I really hope that students that's listening to this right now and actually heard this from one of their mentors, I really hope you, you really use your critical thinking and don't be a sheep and actually do this and commit tax fraud. Because if you get caught, that's on you. See, you, your life may not, be, may not be ruined by deporting to your home country because you're home, okay? You back to your family, like maybe it's like silver lining there. Your life may not be ruined, right? Like my friend who got deported over this, like now like seeing him, like he's in a, he's in a relatively okay place. He's with family, he's exercising, he's doing well, taking care of himself. Even though when he was going through the process, he was like, he went through an intense like three to six months going to courts, you know, borderline getting depressed. Like I was, you know, really supporting him for that six months, talking to him and make sure that, you know, he doesn't go down some dark path. And also like I was probably like, I was like almost the only person that really out there supporting because our mentors, they don't give a shit. I doubt any that to reach out to him in the past year. But even getting deported, but you know what, his life is not completely ruined because he was with his family, he was a familiar environment, he was able to put himself back together again. And maybe he can reapply to come back to US after like maybe three or four, four or five years. But if you commit tax fraud and get caught and go to prison, now your life is ruined. I really hope people actually can wake up and use a freaking brain. When this, when this pandemic is over, people should really drive to the mentor's home and ask to get their brains back. Don't leave your brain in your mentor's kitchen table. Go ask to get it back and use it. Can't play the victim here. Take charge, take responsibility for your own life, your own decisions. Yeah. You have the choice to give your power away. And you also have the choice to take it back. Dude, I think we're living in a very amazing time in our life right now that look at what's going on in the world right now. Look what's going on in the leaders of our world. Look at how polarizing 
the world, the society we're living right now. Everybody is trying to get you to be on their camp. To just forget about your thinking. Just, just listen to what they want to tell you. Everybody wants your attention to just don't think. Just let them give you all the answers. Let them guide you to the right direction. Everybody doing it now in the world. It's more important than ever that people need to wake the fuck up and use their own critical thinking. Yeah. That is the only way that you can get to truly happiness and get to, get to find peace no, and find truth in the world. No amount of money, no pin, no level of business, no amount of recognition is going to create happiness. That's what I was, oh, I'll go Emerald, I'll go Diamond, then I'll be happy, right? Obviously, that's not the case. And I've created my happiness now. I've never been happier. I've never loved my life more than I do right now. And it's like, it's not in the future. And I feel like that's it. It's like, you want to be happy? Okay, you've got to go on another diamond. You've got to build your business. It's like, actually, that's me giving my power away. When I take it back, then I say, no, I'm going to create my own happiness right here, right now. And all those things that I've been delaying, I can do them right now and love myself and love my life. Yeah. Like, figuring yourself out and really truly dig deep and figure out what your happiness is, is like the most the best investment time that you can ever put into is dig deep you know like I was call, talking to these people earlier like you know I remember like they asked me a tough question like he was like what do I do like if I do what you did and step up and speak the truth and like really you know speak my truth and like talk about what I'm really feeling what I'm really seeing like like would that ruin my business and would that ruin my relationship with people in my business like I just asked him a very simple question like like that's good that you're in this space now because that's the real question you're gonna ask yourself. I don't have an answer for you. That's why I told you, I don't have an answer for you. You're gonna meditate over this next couple of weeks. Like what does truth mean to you? What does speaking truth mean to you? What does real relationship mean to you? If people willing to cut you off because you speak the truth, that's because you willing to time. speak up and stand your ground, and because you find your own happiness and you're going to lose relationships, now what does that relationship mean to you? Those are questions that you need to answer for yourself. Like I was really happy we'll get to that point. At the end of like a two hour phone call, I was like, I'm so happy that we'll get to this part of the phone call because we're finally digging deep into something that you need to really think about now. Like they were making a comment like, oh, human, like, like we only have like 10, 20 people in our group that it's really so hard for us to think about this. Like you have like hundreds and hundreds of people in your group. Like I can only imagine how much more harder it is for you. But it's like, no, 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 you're looking at this all wrong. It has nothing to do with how many people is in my business team or in my network. 400 people and one person is the same thing. We're talking about human being here. The number is irrelevant. Each individual, each, each human being can be as heavy for your heart as 400 people. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, like, I want to validate your feeling right now. Like, how you feel should be validated. You should not feel like, oh, I only have to worry about four people, so like, it should be easy. No, 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 it should not be easier. Even if you only worry about that one person is as intended, as important for you, because it's an individual person, a human. And that's exactly the opposite of what this training system is doing. They're making each person like a commodity. 
They're making human beings like a number. They can be replaced. And that's dangerous. People should be evaluated as individuals. We're seeing so much harm and evil in the world when people are no longer being looked at as a person. They become a symbol of an ideology. They look at another person not as an individual with feelings and thoughts and dreams and hopes as ideas. They look at an individual as a symbol of what they oppose, of a manifestation of an idea, of a political party, of a gender, of a race. And that's how we see so much harm being done in the world, because they don't look at humans as individuals. And that has to change. And we see that in this educational system, in a very large scale. They don't evaluate each person as an individual. They look at it as a number. It's as always, a mean to an end, as a always, stepping stone. It's always clear that I am replaceable. If I don't do the work, they'll replace me. Absolutely. That's like the way how they deal with me was exactly that. For them, Hugh is now like this person that has all these dreams and goals, accomplishment, all the things I've done for the group. For them, they're like, oh, well, if Hugh leaves, he's just a person doing a couple hundred bucks worth of business, you know, bringing X amount of people per month. They are basically equivalent a person to a business target or business value. And what have you done for me lately? It doesn't matter anything you've done in the past. Yeah. So you, you see, that explains all their behaviors because how they think or the underlying philosophy of how they look at people, of what this organization's culture is. And that's very deep down in its roots. And that has to be changed. If enough people can wake up and understand this, this can be changed. I feel like we need some bird tripping in the background right now. You want my, bird, <laughs> you want my birds chirping? Yeah. I need your bird tripping music in the background. They're not copyrighted, so we can use it. <laughs> it's your free music, your free sound. Yes, music. I'm going to upload this for anyone who wants it. 4 a.m. this morning, I woke up to birds chirping so loudly that I, I, I stood up and I, I recorded it. It's wonderful. All right, when you're playing this earlier, I literally thought it was actually birds like outside our door right now chirping. I was like, what the hell? I did not realize this. Here you go. Here's Paul's uh, personal collection of nature sound. <laughs> I gotta say, life is amazing. I've never been having more fun than I am right now. Mm -hmm. Just tell me how free you feel right now. It's how like, freaking free your spirit is right now. I feel like my wings have been like that were clipped before have been like grown back and are flapping. I mean, this week I've been hiking more than I ever have and having so much fun. We hiked through a rainstorm today. Yeah. You know, we we were, ten miles. We had to avoid going to the peak because we didn't want to get struck by lightning. I I did bike I did trail biking for the first time, which is biking down a rocky, curvy hilly, you know, mountain path on a bike going fast. I've never done that before. Yeah. I did that. That was, that was an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Um, bouldering, which is like rock climbing. Um, my gym just opened up and I just started doing that again. I'm so much fun. I've never been in better physical shape than I am right now. I'm just having so much fun. I mean, it's just all the things that I've always wanted to do, I'm doing. Now I'm going to go spend a month by myself on a private lake in Wyoming. 
and then I'm gonna spend a month up. Dude, like our next few months plan is gonna be freaking crazy, right? So you are leaving on twenty eighth to go to Wyoming. Yeah, by a lake in the cabin. A private lake where I can be by myself. For the entire month. I'm just going to meditate and do yoga and do a cleanse for like a month. And just be by myself in nature. Yeah, and I'll be going down to by the Yellowstone for the whole freaking month. I'll be living by the Yellowstone for a month. Going into Yellowstone every weekend. I might go there four or five times. By Jackson Hall. You know, and there's another one, National Park right there. There's like a bunch of incredible national parks in the Wyoming and uh, um, what's the other state right next to it? Idaho. Idaho. And what's the other one? Montana. Montana, exactly. In that three-state corner, I'll be there for a month. And after that, we're both going to be in Montana for a month, separately. Yeah. Separate places. We might meet up, just go hike together, stuff like that. And then we're going to Oregon. And then we're going to Oregon for a month. We're going to be rent a place together again. Yeah. And we'll go visit Greg and spend some time in Seattle, in Washington State. Dude, like, we are living the dream that we always had. This thing that I thought I had to go diamond to do. I'm doing it now. Exactly. That's my point. Like, we never needed this system to achieve the goals and dreams that we have. They made us believe that somehow that we need them, but the reality is that we don't. What you need is a free spirit. You need some guts. You need some balls to do what you want to do. Or only has one ball, you know, the one, the one ball that you have, you know, this big one is big enough. You only need one. Yeah, it's need one ball that Paul has and you can do all the stuff you want to do. One testicle is all that's needed. <laughs> but that's what it is. If you understand how powerful the human spirit is, when you can acquire that, when you get to that point, you're undeniable of your goals. You're unstoppable. If you still think that you need them to live your life, you have no idea what you're capable of. You have no idea. Grow your wins, man. You know how people send those little things of like people doing really cool stuff in nature? Like they'll send it on social media all the time, like somebody in a helicopter looking at the mountains and they'll say, Yo, we got to do this, right? But they don't mean it. People send that to me now. I'm like, okay, let's go do it. Like, mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, what's stopping me? Let's go do it, right? Let's set it up. Let's go. Yeah. Obviously, they always go, oh, I can't do that. Why? Yeah. It's funny because, like, I've been traveling for so much the last two years, right? And I constantly give you a comment, like, oh, that's part of my bucket list, or, you know, I'm going to do that. It's like part of my goals. Like, in the back of my head, I was like, what are you waiting for? Like, really, like, seriously, like, what are you waiting for? Are you seriously waiting until you are 75 to go travel the world? Are you serious? Or if you're single. Do you know, do you know how exhausting it is to travel the world? Like, I was, uh, the three months I took in 2018 to travel through Europe, 10 different countries, Turkey, Japan, and back to China, three months. You know how freaking exhausting that is to travel through, like, Freaking 10 countries in three months. I was in my I was in my prime age. I'm like 30 something. And that's tough. Like physically, it's not easy. And you think you're gonna travel the world when you're 30, when you're like 75? Don't kid yourself. Yeah. My dad's in his 70s, he can't do a lot of like me and my mom are like, we're going to India. He's like, you guys go, I can't. Like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. You got things on your bucket list, 
do it now. What the hell is stopping you? And if you're single, do it now before you have, you know, get married and have kids. Now is definitely the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if they have family and kids, they probably shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff that we're doing because you know, they got responsibilities. But yeah. if you don't have kids, you don't have like major responsibilities, like what the hell are you waiting for? You know, like I love listening to Gary Vee because he makes so much sense to me. He makes so much sense. He's like, he says numerous times that when you're like 18, 19, 20, 21, 23, 25, 30 years old, now's the time for you to freaking step out of your comfort zone, do things that challenge you and take risk. Because you can't. You don't have kids, you don't have family, it depends on you for their livelihood. You can go do things and take a ton of risk. I could lose everything and it'd be fine. If you're 25 years old, you're 30 years old, like even right now for us, if we lose everything, we're fine. Yeah. I can lose all my money right now, go back to zero. I'm fine. I can rebuild my life again, no big deal. You don't have the luxury when you're 65 years old or when you're 55 years old with two kids, you don't have that luxury. But when you're 30, when you're 25, 25 years old, we're so young, we, have, we can take those risks. Don't give your prime years to somebody else. They're just trying to use them. Man, I really hope people can understand that. Either they have full control of their life. So often people say, oh man, Paul, I'm living through you. I'm watching you. I'm like... Yeah, like, like when you say this kind of things, it doesn't make me excited because I'm, all I'm thinking is like, like it does, it's not a compliment for me. I don't need your compliment. Yeah. For me, it's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. What is your passion? And everybody in some capacity can go after their passion. Yeah, and like, it's like don't let people guilt trip you. Somehow your passion is like not good enough. No. If it's enough for you to be happy, do it. Whether it's go climb rock climbing or go to like play music or even freaking playing video games. Like how many people like make video games this like oh enemy like oh this like you know shame like oh you playing video games? Dude, like there's people who are professional players, like who actually like Yeah, they they show it on lifestyle. It's on ESPN, you can watch it. It's a freaking sport. It's freaking like multi billion dollar industry. The top YouTube make the people that make oh, money on yeah. YouTube are gamers. Top musicians make music for games. Like, dude, like, don't let people guilt trip you to make you think that your dreams or your interests or your hobbies are shameful or not good enough or not like you know, like up to the part with what they are going for. No, if it's important for you, if it brings you happiness, go fucking do it. I remember one of our business mentors talking about somebody who had left and being like. Oh yeah, he's just, you know, I saw him, he's just playing video games all the time. Like just putting him down as if that's a bad yep, thing. right there, they do it. Uh-huh. They do that for a lot of shit. See, like, this is like, this is what I love about Gary Vee. He, he just freaking brutally, honestly just nailed the truth there. How do people control you? How does control work? They can control you by criticizing to make you think that you need to win their approval. Or, even better yet, or more subtly, or even more powerful, they control you by giving you compliments. They get you addicted to compliments. And someone like me, who came from a place of weakness, where I didn't love myself, I was hungry for those compliments. I would do anything for those compliments. Yeah, because they, once they get you addicted to compliments, they need to hear all the time, and that validates like, your self-image somehow, 
See, when you anchor your self-image, your self-love, your self-respect, your true value, when you anchor those into anything but not your true heart, if you anchor that into somebody else's approval or their compliments, now they own your ass. They own you. They own me. They can get you to do anything they want by giving you compliments. By complimenting you the things they want you to do, now because you want to earn that compliment again, it's like drugs. You want to get back to the compliment again. So you keep doing the things that they want you to do, and that's how they control you. I remember at the business events, I kept wearing like a blue shirt, and finally they got me to wear a white shirt, and they wouldn't stop complimenting me. Paul, look at that great white shirt you're wearing. Very subtle, but it's yeah. very powerful, and they get they get what they want because they compliment you, right? It's part same part of manipulation tactics. You hear these birds? Is that what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's going on forever, man. This goes on for three hours. <laughs> yeah. It's powerful, and people are so in it they can't see it. I was so in it I couldn't see it. See that like, it works especially well for people who grew up. May not have that kind of compliments, yeah. Or may not have that kind of positive reinforcement in the family or in the circle. So they are hungry. They are desperate for that kind of a compliment or like close relationship or friendship, right? That's how they get you. Like they become this like they act like they're super caring, just loving people. They compliment you. They show they're caring. Like all yeah. those, in a way, are manipulation tactics. Yep. They have been used in cults and religions to control people. Dude, it's so funny. I talked to this guy. This, this is some really interesting stuff. I was on the flight back from uh, Netherlands, I think last year, flying back from uh, seeing the family, and I was sitting this to this next to this guy next to me, and we had this like freaking amazing conversation. It's really interesting conversation. I hope that man. I wish I recorded a conversation. We're talking this entire time for like almost six hours on the airplane. He was a high-level、uh, leader for the Mormon Church in the Utah, in Salt Lake City. He was like a high-up guy in the Mormon Church, and he told me that he was at one point in charge of like this like huge region recruiting new members for Mormon. And he told me that when he reached like a certain level in the Mormon Church. He was given this book, this freaking book that's like this thick, like it looked like a freaking dictionary, like massive book. And this whole book was about how to basically quote unquote people skill, manipulate people into recruiting them into like step by step how to like initiate a conversation, body language, like you know all the tactics in like small tiny details. Including like when you're standing next to them at the initiation stage, like where should you put your hand, and how you use your tone to like get them to do get to the final stage of joining the Mormon Church. This entire book, and he was in like he's nineteen twenty years old. He was like the youngest guy that reached this level in the Mormon Church, and he was given this book, and he just like man digest eat up this whole book, like learn this whole thing. And become he becomes super successful in the church in recruiting, and then he finally left、uh, this church, and then he realized, wow, like was I doing this because I really believe this? Was I doing this because I enjoy this power that I have in manipulating people? 
And then at that point, he already left the, the Mormon church for like, probably like 20 years now. He's like in the 50s. But he told me about this fascinating story of how he was like, in his like young, early 20s, was able to climb to like this significant level at a church and was able to have this so much power over people and using those tactics to control people. Super fascinating. Like see, what made me realize that story and now connecting back to look at you know, this group of people that we worked with, these mentors, look at what they're doing now with people, you know, with the national students trying to control them and like the illegal things they're doing. It made me realize every single human being is capable of a soul of darkness. Like, it showed me what you can do with a person when, they, when you give them just a little bit taste of money, power, and fame. And how easy you can corrupt a person. Just give them a little bit of taste of what control looks like. A little bit of taste of money. And how easy a human being can be corrupted. And doing things that they would not recognize. If you go back 10 years ago, show them what they're doing right now. They wouldn't even recognize. Remember the book that we read back in Nevada? The one chapter about ethical fading? Oh yeah? Right? It makes sense now. You can all connect in our experience. Because... It started with you that when you're just starting the business, they make you like, oh, you know, it's okay if you don't sell these products, but you know what? We'll still report them as, you know, customer volume reporting. We'll report them as business sales just so you can get your bonus check because it's a rule that you have to follow. You're supposed to sell like 150 bucks worth of products to get your compensation for their marketing, right? Also, okay, just do it anyways, you know? Small, tiny things. They push you a little bit out of your, outside your ethical principles do you like break some small tiny rules or you like remember how if you reported um your personal volume as customer volume you get 20 percent more points yes that it was like a couple months or like a year the whole yeah. year if you report your volume as sales for for com- from customers now you suddenly get 20 percent more of your business volume counted as your business and we had somebody who wasn't willing to do it and for yeah, wouldn't do it until eventually he finally said, you know, if this is going to help my friend hit his business goal, then I'll allow it. But then most people, we just did it, right? They just did it blindly. Because step by step, they start pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. Eventually, after two decades, they feel completely comfortable telling their national student to lie in the text documents. And rationalize it. They're not the bad guys. They're the good guys. Yeah. And because they were just doing what they were told. I'm sure that's not an original idea came in from that one mentor of ours. Yeah. He was probably taught by his mentors. All the way up. And they rationalized the whole thing. Now they are actually comfortable asking national students to commit federal crimes. And don't even see there's anything wrong. No. Ethical fate. It starts with a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Eventually it gets you to a point that you didn't even recognize who you become. If you approached it, they would approach them about it. They'd say... No one's going to notice. No one's going to care. What are you talking about? That's how they corrupt a person. They normalize it. They normalize this kind of behavior to make you feel like you're doing nothing wrong because everybody around you is doing it. Exactly. So therefore, it makes it okay. You're just doing what you're told. You're just, doing, you're just following orders. You give up your critical thinking. You're just doing what everybody's doing. You become a sheep in their marketing. 
we're getting through some fucking good content there. Yeah. And these birds are getting better. <laughs> They're getting better at tripping. They probably found a good, good stash and some good stuff. That's why they're happy. Some premium. Probably all your cauliflower that you threw out the window. Yeah, some premium cauliflower that you threw out the window. <laughs> they're celebrating. Thank you. Oh, you. that's what it is, man. They're like freaking extra cauliflower. They've been feeding them in the yard. They discovered it all, and this was their present. Yeah, that's why they're singing. Thank you. That's why they're singing behind oh, your window. He wants a little baby nap. Okay, well, we'll sing to Paul. I really like our last message already. Like, just like, what else do you need? Right? I mean, like, what the hell do you need if you can think fully for yourself? Like the whole talk about like, oh, you're not free until you're financially free. No, 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 no. You're not free until you can think for yourself. The financial freedom is a false statement because when you can think for yourself, you're already free because you don't need that much money to live a free life. You don't need a Mercedes to be happy. You don't need a five-star hotel. You don't need a thousand people worshiping you to be happy. No, you just need to be free and understand where your happiness mentally free. anchors from. A lot of people who have those things are very unhappy. They have all the nice things, but they're alone. They're depressed. I read a book how the most depressed people are the ones who live out in the suburbs in the nice houses. Yeah, because they go to work, they come back, they they go to their garage. They don't they don't know their neighbors. And see, like this, is like also interesting. Like, see, that's like why I, I'm so adamant about traveling, seeing the world, and I encourage a lot of people to travel because it gives you so much different life perspective. Yeah. See, depression is very much a first world problem. You barely see depressed people in third world countries that have like no money. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a story. This is like this has such a big impact in my life. I was in uh, Morocco, Marrakesh, last January. After I spent my Christmas with my family, I took a week to go to Morocco. My first trip to Africa. I freaking love Africa, man. I can't wait to go to South Africa and Kenya and go see the Serengeti. Um, but anyway, so I was in Morocco. I went on this trip from Marrakesh, uh, driving eight hours. Actually, no, like 13, 14 hours, like two days. We drove out west all the way to the, uh, the beginning of the Sahara Desert, which is this massive desert across multiple countries. And we got into the desert, and we're riding the camels into deeper into the desert, and I saw this group of kids it's like three or four kids. It was like it was like maybe about almost like six, seven p.m. Like we're riding the camels and you go see the sunsets in the deserts. And I saw this group of kids, like three or four kids, with this one beat up bike. So they were taking turns riding bikes in the desert, in the sand, in the sand dunes. And they were just playing. And they were probably playing there every single day. They lived there. They're probably in the sand dunes every day, you know, riding their bike and playing. And they were so happy. I can just feel it. I can just feel like, man, they're just enjoying their life. They got no concept of money. Like by American standard, this is like a people in poverty, you know. They probably, their family got nothing, no possessions. They might just have a bike. Those kids, their childhood, all they have is a sunrise and sunset in the sand dunes. 
and this freaking bike. I'm pretty sure they're not depressed. I'm pretty sure they're not like worried about like life. What their friends think about them on Instagram. Or anything else. They're just being happy kids living their life. See, the whole premise that you need a ton of money, you need a ton of whatever bullshit that's propagated by the system or by news media or by freaking marketing firms trying to get you to be feel anxiety because yeah. you're not good enough. Yeah. You need more. You need to buy more, shop more, more makeup, more skincare, more this and that, better cars, better houses. It's about creating anxiety in people's lives so that you go, go shop and buy things and you think that makes you happy. But if you really go around travel the world and go to the third world countries and see people how they live, happiness got nothing to do with those bullshit. If anything, the less they had, the happier they were. Yep. That's exactly what I'm doing right now is I'm taking, I'm not doing pluses in life, I'm doing minuses in life. I'm eliminating more and more things out of my life that I don't need. Everything that I have in my car right now is what I need to live. I can fit everything that I need to be happy in my freaking car right now. In about three weeks, I'll head over to Wyoming and live by the National Park. Whatever I have in my car is all I need to be happy. And even if you didn't have all those things, you'd still be happy. Hell yeah. You give me a piece of yoga mat, I find a place to sleep in a sand dune somewhere, I can feed myself. I can meditate, I can find my happiness. If I lose my job right now, you know, I have to go back to China for whatever reason, for speaking out against these people. If I get my visa pulled, I go back to China, I'll be fine, I'm happy. I'll be with my family. Because I know who I am. I know why I need to be happy now. And nobody can touch that. Nobody get to tell me what happiness is but me. Nobody defines success for you, but you. That's it. That's it. When I went to Jamaica for the first time, I had the same experience. Seeing people living in metal shanties. They were so happy. I didn't know. It's just like, wow, they have so little. And they're so happy. And yet I'm depressed living in my parents' basement in a million dollar house. First world problem. Depression is a first world problem for a lot of cases. I mean, there's definitely medical cases for that, but... Majority or not. Majority or not. Majority because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they want. Yeah. They don't know who to listen to. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how to go inside, go inward, and look at your problems and don't look away. It takes guts to stare straight at your problems and not look away. Like that's why I got for so much from the last 18 months of meditation is look at my real problems. Like this like, even though we're recording for nail marketing stuff right now, but there's such a low priority for me actually. I got so many things that I really need to solve and look into my life with my family, with my past, with my future, what I want to do address as me, as a person, as a human. Because I was able to meditate and look at the real issues that I need to look into. And to really stare at it and not look away. And address it. And tackle it. And meditate on it and think about it. 
Yep. That's why I want to be in Wyoming by myself for a month. I just want to. Yeah. You. What's that? Everything disconnect. This way. world is waking up. People are taking charge of their lives and thinking for themselves. The, the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this information like you and I are putting out? Are you going to use it? Are you going to be entertained and then forget about it? I hope that you go find your happiness. That's the only thing we really hope for people. I mean, they can keep building the business and do it the right way. You know, like... I think still like Amazon is a great company, even though they need some serious product innovation, for sure. They need to really look into their products, and they need to really look into clean up this kind of mess that yeah. Amazon's created. Oversight. A lot of people still got so many great value out of Amway and their marketing. Then yeah, keep building it, but build it the right way. You know, but yeah, we just want to wish people to find their happiness, and don't look away from your problems. Seriously. Do not look away. Even though it's still the crap out of you, even though it's tough, even though it brings out so much emotions in you, but man, don't look away. On the other side is peace. Man, because it feels so good when you're able to figure this out. I felt so good finally because when I was able to look at this and understand what it is. It felt so good. Even though you, you come with so much emotion, that I felt because now I like actually address it like some of the stuff I told you about right when we were in the sand dunes I told you about some of the shit that I had to deal with yeah but it felt so good to be able to deal with this head on that's, yeah, that's how I feel about the last five weeks Whew. head on deal with it rip the bandaid it's not as bad as I thought it would be and it's so worth it no Man, if you want to go to the next stage and then have the guts to put out those issues, put in the podcast, put in Instagram posts, and put out to the world. That's like the next stage. Like, you know, the way that we put out our so many years buried issue with, with the network marketing company, I mean, with this organization, this education system, that we put it out. That healing that you got, boom, a couple of weeks, you heal almost, right? Mm-hmm. Because you put it out there. You didn't try to hide it. You didn't try to look away. Imagine you didn't put a podcast. You didn't talk about it. It just kind of went on like quietly and fade away. How much damage did it cost you? I would carry it. You carry that for a long freaking time. Yeah. Like most people do. But because you put a podcast on, now you're like, it's behind you now. Yeah. You like barely think about it. Mm-hmm. That's called how to deal with real issues. You look at them. You deal with them. You don't shy away. We love you, man. I just want to say we love you. Yeah. I love everyone here so much. I do like this. I want to show one last thing. This person, <laughs> it's funny. He reached out to me after I put out all the information on about the Amway post and whatnot. He's like, Hugh, like, uh, why are you doing this? Like, aren't you going to lose your business and lose a lot of your income because you're doing this? Like, because like a lot of my people in the business were international student. If they all quit, like, aren't you going to lose a lot of your business? I was like, dude, you don't get it, do you? I didn't do this for money. I do it because I love people. I cannot look away when people's lives are hurt, when they've been lied to and mislead 
and put into risky situations without knowing what's going on. I did it because I love the people they were coming in contact with. I love the people that will continue that might get mislead. That's why we're doing this. The world just needs more love and that's it. That's it. So yeah, man, we love you and we wish you all the best. That's all we have to say. Love you all. Go find your happiness. It's within you. Go do it. Adios.